The Panhandle News Network. The Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And it is Panhandle Live, final Panhandle Live of the week, this 15th day of December. 2023, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville Building here in Martinsburg. It is Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kavalik with you. Panhandle Live, as always, is driven by Country Roads, Tyre and Otto. And uh, Marsha, we've made it through another week, just a couple of hours to push through the workday. How are you on this Friday? How's the car? How's the tire? Okay, so um, we my my dear husband came and, um, and, and looked at it and he said, okay, I think we're going to inflate it, hobble it down. We got it to Eddie's tire. Thank God they were there and they were close because I didn't know if I could get it anywhere else because it was losing air as fast as you would put it in. <clears throat> and so now it's got a donut on it. And, um, and so I've, I've got a different car today. <laughs> I see. I <laughs> new, see. new tires are on the way, but <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Thank you. How was, I, I got to hear a couple of different parts of your broadcast yesterday. It was very exciting. I'm like, I know those guys. But every time I would try to get out of it on my, like to do something else on my phone, it would kick the, mm. the broadcast. It's not like, it's not like when I tune into you guys on any of our websites mm-hmm. and stream it because that just continues it runs on. runs in the background. Yeah, right. exactly. But um, that had to be fun. A little it, field was trip. A, it was a lot of fun. Here's a little inside baseball for you though, because I've got, uh, obviously my dad, Kyle Wiggs is in broadcasting and, He'll give me some good feedback from time to time. Uh, there's a portion of the broadcast called the billboards, like when you see the sponsors brought to you by Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. and they play at the bottom and you read through. Uh, we had two sponsors, Nike and Chipotle. Shout out to them, I guess. Um, and the billboards would play and music would play underneath it. So you hear it on TV. There's mm-hmm. some kind of preppy music. The feed that we were getting from our producer, his name was Adam, did a fantastic job. However, that music was about... 15 times as loud as it needed to be in our ears, not on the broadcast here. The broadcast, it sounded fine. But what it ended up sounding like was me screaming the billboards because I had to hear myself. Right. Brought to you by Nike and Chipotle. Boy, that that guy really likes his Chipotle. There's 100 people. And his Nike shoes. There's 100, 150 people in the gym and, you know, there's nothing going on. And it's just me sitting courtside going. Someone's like, great ingredients with Chipotle. (laughs) But it was other than that, it was a, a high level of talent uh, that we got to, to watch, and we appreciate them giving us the time. And if you missed the chance to watch some prep basketball, Daniel Woods is heading back over to Deep Creek uh, this afternoon to call some games for League Ready TV. Marsha, there was snow all over the place. I was going to ask. It's like a different climate. It is. And the roads were fine with a couple of, you know, one or two minor blips. Um, there was a, a healthy blanket of snow that was still there. It had melted off mostly by the time we'd left, but... You know, that's ski country. We talked about it yesterday. That's where Wisp is, and mm-hmm. I can see why. It's always kind of unique, you know, because I drive to and from Morgantown to here quite often. Um, you go through, like, four seasons on your way right. from getting to Morgantown to here. Well, I'm glad you guys were safe. Um, I had a lengthy conversation with Morgan County Sheriff Casey Bohr, uh yesterday. Of course, uh, 
you brought to our listeners yesterday morning as it was happening uh, that there had been an accident. And we, we just knew it was a traffic tie-up yeah, on uh, West Virginia 9 yesterday. And unfortunately, as more details became revealed of that crash that happened at 743 in the morning, uh, a Martinsburg man was pronounced dead, uh, 31-year-old Joshua Catlett of Martinsburg. He was uh, driving a 2021 Honda and uh, died as a result of the crash. Uh, the second vehicle was a Ford Escape, and that person suffered non-life-threatening injuries and was transported uh, for EMS uh, for treatment. And that, you know, shut down Route 9 for a, a decent amount of mm-hmm. time. Of course, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, maneuverability of certain areas of Route 9, and they had to have the, the, the investigation right. and... Uh, you know, just kind of a tragic story and out of Morgan County. One of the the um, conversations I was having with the sheriff was he said, you know, I mentioned to you guys, <clears throat> and I always say it, he says, uh, around Christmas, there's usually a tragedy, and I was really hoping we would avert it this year. But he said, of course, um, you know, the domestic violence shooting in Berkeley County, of course, this year, and then and then this. Um, it's, it's never a good time to lose a loved one, but, um, you know, around Christmas, it's certainly... Uh, more poignant, um, and the the route night, and we we don't know the particulars, but obviously this was a head-on collision, as you men- mentioned. Um, cleanup takes a lot longer, and and backs up traffic because there's nowhere to go. Uh, we've had so many local uh, delegates and and senators on saying one of the big priorities they want to bring is doing something with with Route 9 between Berkeley Springs and Hedgesville, expanding it, bypass, something. Mm. Um, and so I know those conversations have been ongoing, but something like this really brings it home. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I'm, I'm sure more will become of this as time goes on. Now, we have some sound we want to get to uh, from the Jefferson County Chamber's legislative wrap. We'll get to that in just a second. But we also have some sound from the Berkeley County Commission last night as it pertains to Berkeley County Sheriff Nathan Harmon. Uh, and his resignation that is going to go into effect later in the month. Um, they At the county commission meeting, they went into executive session and, and talked about the, the plans to replace Sheriff Harmon, and here's some of the sound that we got from that. We've agreed on a proposed timeline for the replacement of the, uh, of the sheriff of Berkeley County, and he will still be sheriff until the 26th of this month. And ultimately, they say the new sheriff should be sworn in by the middle of January, uh, you can find a, a complete schedule on the county's website. But the similar timeline that we thought, uh, you know, we were sticking to, Marcia, and as we said on yesterday's show, uh, we're endeavoring to get uh, Sheriff Harmon on Panhandle Live uh, shortly after that resignation. On yeah, the he's, he's ready for it. He wants to, and and we've been working out a, a, a time for that. <clears throat> and I know, um, you know, the folks in the county are interested in hearing what he has to say and responding if they if they feel like, um, you know, they, they should. Also, um, should mention our Clint Gage. Um, covered three different meetings uh, that happened yesterday. <clears throat> uh, the Berkeley County Commission, obviously, also the, Mar- the Martinsburg City Council meeting and Jefferson County's chamber had its uh, legislative uh, look back, basically, and he he, I, he covered that as well. So um, kudos to Clint. <laughs> Not only did Clint do all of that, he accidentally logged himself out of the computer in your office at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I oh, got, did you get a call? I got a call from him. <laughs> this is oh, a busy man. night for Clint. I could have told him where to. I could have told him where to find it. But I'm <laughs> I'm glad you're his phone a friend at one one in the morning. Well, um, Marcia, can you kind of set the scene for this uh, Jefferson County Chamber of Commerce and the legislative meeting? We've got some mm-hmm. sound here from John Hardy, but uh, uh, and Wayne Clark as well, but. Um, would you mind kind of setting the scene of what exactly took place in Jefferson County? So um, frequently, uh, different organizations in the in the 
Eastern Panhandle will have delegates and senators on to kind of say, hey, here's what we did this year. Here's what we're kind of looking ahead and getting, uh, you know, those those organizations kind of wish list too. In this case, in Jefferson County, uh, there was a bit of a look back and um, he, he brought some sound from Wayne Clark reflecting on the service of two delegates who will be, um, you know, having their last general session, general session this coming year because um, Paula Spinoza is running for Senate, and then John Hardy uh, will be leaving his post as delegate to run for a county commission spot. I want to talk about these two first, real quick. So uh, my first term, which was in 2021, um, I came in with a freshman class of 33 of us, and I felt that because of these two sitting here. Uh, I was more advanced in the process of what goes on in Charleston. Uh, the process is so fast and so crazy that if you don't know what's going on, you just get bypassed so easily. You know, these two, um, from the moment that I won my election, have, have taken me on um, under their wing and, and have directed me in the right direction. So that's Wayne Clark, and I also wanted to play these cuts really quickly before we go to break because uh, delegates John Hardy, Wayne Clark, Paul Espinosa were all in attendance, and beginning with John Hardy, they were all asked about some of the biggest challenges facing uh, the Eastern Panhandle. Uh, locality pay. I mean, locality pay or whatever we want to call it. Um, there's you know there's lots of different names for it. We have definitely been gaining strides on that vote. You know, there are some areas of the state that are just you know dead set against locality pay. So that is John Hardy here, and here's Paul Espinoza adding to that statement. Affordable housing, Build West Virginia, is uh, some legislation. It was actually brought to us by some of the folks, I think, down in Tucker County. Because of the tourism industry down there, folks can uh, make more money renting their properties as Airbnbs than providing it for the workers who are working at the tourism attraction. So one thing, it's a big challenge to attract workers in some of those areas and other areas around the state. And then when, if they can't get housing, we did pass some legislation, you know, maybe seeing some modest results so far. And, and again, like a lot of legislation we passed, looking at how can we maybe tweak that a little bit to make it even more and more effective. But it's and lastly, Wayne Clark agreed with both Espinosa and Hardy and added an additional point. Infrastructure is a key issue that we have. You know, our roads, you know, additional water and sewer, uh, things like that. I mean, you know, when you continue to strain these items with more and more housing developments, which is one of the big things that we have, uh, we need to address that sometime down the road. So. So again, some sound for the Jefferson County Chamber of Commerce who held their legislative session on Thursday. We're going to be playing more cuts throughout our news product, which you can hear at the top of the hour all the way through 6 o'clock this evening. We've got a break to take. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Panhandle Live. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building, Panhandle Live, as always, just driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. Let's waste no time, Marsha, because we've got a very exciting guest in studio now. Happy he survived his uh, his segment with the big dog. Oh. <laughs> 
with the real the real Bob Steele. Lesser men have fallen <laughs> at the feet of Bob Steele. He's making he's uh, on his media tour. That's Wiley McDade from Devil's Due Distillery. Welcome in. Hi, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for being on. So uh, you've had a busy year, and it's ending with some accolades. That's right. We've uh, uh, this has been an absolutely amazing year at the distillery. Well, first I can tell you it's. We, we started releasing the whiskeys that we've been making there. They've been, uh, you know, these whiskeys have been taking years to age in the barrel. And so they're starting to come out on the market. We've got, I think, six small batch offerings right now. Our, uh, uh, our cherry bounce is really flying off the shelf. That's a, our, our signature cherry bourbon that we make over there. Um, and the new release of our root beer bourbon. Uh, which has been a pretty good fan favorite lately. So it tastes like root beer, but it's got a kick. Is that how that? Oh yeah. So the <laughs> the fine folks up at in Berkeley Springs at Berkeley Springs Brewing, they make the root beer for us. Uh, we worked on it for about six seven months with them, and then we blend their root beer with four year old bourbon, uh, and delivering. Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't give it to your kids. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a really lovely root beer flavor on the front and. A nice bourbon well, finish on the back. When it comes to making something like that, for somebody you know that doesn't know a lot about the process, do you go through a lot of trial and error? You know, producing the right mixture. I mean, you take some sips of things and you mean, man, that's battery acid. And then all of a sudden, you come across <laughs> the one and you're like, this, this is it, right? Well, here. sure. So uh, when we have to, you know, when we produce it, uh, we're blending the bourbon in with the root beer. In a sense, when you when you blend all that liquid in there, you're watering it down even mm-hmm. though we're proofing it up if you get if you get my meaning uh and so yeah we had to work with them for a long time on how the flavoring was going to come in how the how to sweet but not too sweet with a good aroma of root beer on the front and then a really good taste of bourbon on the mm-hmm. back and uh and so that's what took us so long to get it just right but we we think you guys are going to love it in fact if you want uh if you you can come by the distillery today or any any day of the week and taste it uh, but for you folks out in Inwood, I'm going to be over at Big Apple Liquors tonight from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, giving tastings on that product. So come on out and get a, get a free taste there. There's well, going to be a line out the door. I think so. <laughs> I, think so. I hope so. When it comes to beverages like that, i got to be honest, you know, I wasn't the biggest alcohol drinker until after college. I'm, I'm kind of a cider guy, but I'd love to expand. You know, what, what is a good get-your-foot-in-the-door you know, a kind of liquor that you guys would sell. You know, I, I don't want to drink something and, and cough for an hour and a half because it's a little too heavy for me. Is, is this root beer bourbon kind of one of those soirees yeah, we, to we take call that, that stuff? We call that whiskey face. We, uh, we, see, exactly. we, see, that, we see that a lot. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we have whiskeys uh, in the proof range of 90 to about 123 proofs. So they've got they've got some kick. But but our root beer and, and uh, you might try our maple whiskey as well. Mm. Those are both more in the 60 proof range. Uh, and so for somebody who wants to, uh, maybe try to get into drinking, uh, fine whiskeys and bourbons. Yeah. Some of these flavored ones that they're very, very popular, uh, among people and they're a little lower proof. They go really great, uh, just on ice by themselves. Or if you want to give that flavor to, uh, you know, to something else. Our guest this morning is Wiley McDade from Devil's Due Distillery. Uh, you're going to be in other places around the panhandle as well, right? That's right. Uh, well, next Friday... Uh, I'll be over in Shepherdstown at Shepherdstown Liquors. Now, the fine folks over at Shepherdstown, they bought a single barrel from us. Uh, and when, when, a, when a store does something like that, we go and we provide them samples of an individual barrel that might have more exceptional qualities. What wouldn't, wouldn't be something that we would batch together with the others uh, to sell a, you know, a, as a standard bourbon. 
and so this special one we did just for them, uh, proofed it, especially for them. This one, it's a high proof one, about 103. Mm. And you can only get it there. And so it's very special labeling. So it, for the collectors out there, for people who want to try something special, Head on over. I tell you what. Head on over there next Friday, and I've got all the Christmas presents you could ever want over there. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because you know all of us have people in our lives who are hard to buy for because it just seems like everything else is all set. They've got everything they need, uh, but if there's someone who enjoys a, a good drink, this might be a good gift for them. Oh, yeah, we've got two dozen different spirits for you to to uh, come and come and try if you want, uh, and then purchase for a Christmas gift as well as all of our other. Everything that we sell in the distillery, you know, merchandise, it's all distillery related or or uh, spirits related. But uh, for your for your bar, we've got everything you need. And they may know that this is coming from West Virginia's best distillery. That's right. Talk uh, about a that. B- big announcement this week. Uh, West Virginia Living held a contest, and we were voted best distillery in the state. Uh, we could not have done it without the help from uh, all. The fine people of West Virginia who are supporting us throughout the state and our distribution are here in the Eastern Panhandle at our distillery. And I want to give a big thank you to everybody who's listening for that. And I know, you know, it, obviously it's great to have that accolade, but you support other folks who are doing the same business around the state. You want them to do okay as well. Um, you know, do you feel like this is a, a cottage industry in a way that's growing in the Mountain State? I I, I do. Um, if you look at the big statistics across the United States, you know there's there's almost 7,000 distilleries in the United States now. West Virginia, there's, I think, 25 or 26 of all of those. And so our one, our 50th it does not constitute a whole lot of those. Um, now, that has there, there's a whole lot of reasons for that. Uh, but the, I, I really think that there is an opportunity here uh, for people in the state in this market right now. Well, speaking of market... You're having a Christmas market. Oh, that's right. <laughs> what a segue. That was amazing. <laughs> if you guys uh, if you guys are looking for something to do this weekend, I can tell you, come by the distillery. We've got some fantastic events planned for this weekend. Uh, today, we've got a, a food truck in. from. They're called Brunched. They make amazing, amazing brunch-style foods. Uh, but tomorrow's the big day. Tomorrow is the beginning of our Christmas market. It's going to run two days this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. We're going to have food by Papa's Chicken and Ribs tomorrow, food by Titan Barbecue on Sunday. Oh, they're good. I've had uh, them. Yeah, excellent, excellent barbecue. And then, of course, all of our local craftspeople, we're going to, they're going to be packed into the distillery. They've all come with their greatest Christmas gifts uh, ready for you guys to come in and do a little shopping. And the bonus, uh, Marsha, is, well, you get to take a little nip while you shop. <laughs> and uh, Some and, people may need that to get through the holiday shopping experience. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm, I'm thinking of someone in particular who might. <laughs> She was looking at me for some no, reason. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I also saw something really interesting on your guys' Facebook page. Uh, can you explain uh, the process of an at-home aging kit and, and what goes into that specifically? Uh, uh, sure. So, well, it kind of goes back to how do we how do we make bourbon uh, uh, in the in the distillery? The distillate uh, that we take the, the that we call White Dog. You might call it white lightning or moonshine. It's mm. all really only be moonshine if we made it last night without a license. <laughs> um, but uh, in that style, this grain whiskey we're making now, that grain whiskey is then poured into barrels, and those barrels are aged, and the whiskey will then take on the flavor of the barrel. Uh, to let you guys kind of enjoy this at home, we have a small barrel aging uh, kit that we can provide. Uh, it's actually a pretty fun experience. Uh, you get your little maybe three, four, five liter barrel. 
And then we give you the white whiskey to pour in it. You take it home. You can age it right at home. Uh, anywhere from two to six months, depending on the size of your barrel. And you've got fine bourbon coming out the other end. And it seems like it's a, a pretty foolproof process. Like, even I could do this, right? <laughs> pretty pretty much. It, there's not a whole lot. Well, you know, aging whiskey is kind of like washing paint dry. Um, you got to have some patience in it. Uh, but but uh, you will be rewarded on the other end with a spectacular, uh, with spectacular whiskey if you want to give it a shot. So, Wiley, is there anything else you want to let our listeners know about what you guys are doing or what plans for the future, uh, the, the year ahead? This year is uh, going to be absolutely packed with surprises. So, uh, the amount, the bear, the when I told you the whiskey is starting to come in, it's starting to be ready. And so, we have a number of great releases coming up. Keep an eye out for Valentine's Day. Uh, I have a Chardonnay barrel rested bourbon that's coming out. And then we're going to have a four bourbon box set. Uh, and those bourbons are all distilled from different heirloom corns uh, from around the region around here. And so it's re- be a really interesting kind of side-by-side side where you can taste them and see, well, these old corns that they don't even grow anymore, um, how do they affect, what did whiskey used to taste like? Uh, and that's what I tell a lot of people we do, you know, it's to kind of give you a w- little window into the past. History lesson. Yeah, well, we don't run our whiskey through the commercial ringer like the big guys. Um, and so you... You know, it, now you're not going to get consistency out of us either. It, it, from batch to batch, it will probably taste different. But that's kind of the fun of, uh, of having a, a small craft distilleries because, you, you know, you're always going to get something different when you go in. Absolutely. Our guest this morning has been Wiley McDade from Dev- Devil's Duel Distillery. I have to say, I'm pretty thirsty for it to be 930 in the morning on Friday. <laughs> and uh, we really appreciate you giving us the time. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for having me, Luke and Marsha. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We've got a break to take. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Panhandle Live. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back inside the Hoppy Kerchival Building. As I mentioned, Panhandle Live, driven by Country Roads Tyronado. If you missed any or part of our conversation with Wiley McDade of Devil's Due Distillery, uh, we're going to be posting this episode coming up in just a couple of minutes on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page. Marsha, our next guest, joining us via phone as we turn our attention to education. So, um, as you may know from listening to Metro News and our news product, uh, there was a big meeting this week uh, regarding Hope Scholarship. They did their annual report, and I thought, who better to talk about it than our state treasurer, Riley Moore? Welcome in. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thanks for being here. And, um, you know, the Hope Scholarship, uh, when it was an idea, it faced a lot of criticism because people thought it would, um, you know, unfairly uh, impact or benefit certain groups of people and others. We had um, Jill Upson on from the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs uh, earlier in the week, and she was talking about how the population numbers are pretty consistent with the state's population regarding minority population um, numbers. So, you know, what did, what were your takeaways from the report? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was consistent. Uh, with the demographics of the state, I would say uh, that African Americans overperformed um, relative to their population in the state. They're used to, uh, slightly more uh, than uh, other populations here. Uh, you know, it's uh, interesting looking at the report where you do have uh, some counties that have not uh, utilized it yet, but it's almost every county in the entire state of Virginia that has used it so far. And uh, it was pretty evenly spread. I mean, all based on kind of population. Can all counties use it the most? Berkeley 
second, the first and second largest counties in the state of West Virginia. And, uh, you know, the numbers have continued to uh, go up, but uh, it's not been uh, an exponential increase, um, but it's kind of a steady increase uh, year in and year out, which this is actually just our first full year of Hope Scholarship as we had some legal challenges uh, to it in the um, it, during uh, last year when this first rolled up. So this is kind of our first full year of having it uh, without any uh, legal challenges to it or anything like that, which, you know, I'd held the entire time. This is the constitutional program. The state Supreme Court reaffirmed that. And so now we're off to the races, and, you know, we have uh, have over 6,000 uh, students that um, are part of the Hope Scholarship Program right now, and you know, we did make some changes also at this last uh, Hope Scholarship Board meeting, which I chair that board, which I think are important for people to know if Jill went over that or not, but I can do that uh, if she did not. Yeah, we'll talk about any of the updates that you think are important for, for us to know. I just I did want to point out, I'm looking at the report, last year's uh, full-year award per pupil, if the student got the full award, it was $4,298 and some change. I know that number has increased a little bit for the next uh, school year. But talk about, you know, in general, how this benefited families in the, in the state. Yeah, it, you know, so this this last academic year, the the year that we're in right now, it's four thousand four hundred and eighty eight dollars and eighty two cents. Uh, that's going to fluctuate up and down depending on public school enrollment. That's what uh, determines. <clears throat> pardon me, uh, the funding formula for the scholarship because whatever the funding is for the public school for state dollars. That's also reflected in what that funding is going to be for Hope Scholarship, it's their portion of state uh, taxpayer dollars that funding uh, students. So whatever the funding formula comes out uh, for the public school students, it's reflected also in Hope Scholarship. So it's generally, you know, going to fluctuate in between four or five thousand dollars. But look, we've had students all over the state that have used this, and I've talked to many many families all over the state of West Virginia where this has really made a huge difference in their uh, difference in their children's lives. You know, there's some kids that have very specific uh, learning requirements uh, that are not able to be met in the public school that they might be in. We're now seeing those children uh, be able to really flourish. Uh, we've had situations, unfortunate situations, where people uh, have been bullied to the point where they're being physically attacked at schools, unfortunately, uh, where we were able to pull them, uh, get them out of that, uh, that situation, put them into a safe environment uh, where it was causing really that child a lot of uh, mental distress and emotional distress. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of families that have been Extremely thankful for this opportunity that we have now in the state treasurer's office, and it's been certainly an honor for me to be able to to administer this program. But an important thing for people to know is that we have now opened up the HOPE Scholarship. This is going to start next year, uh, the HOPE Scholarship application all year round. So... Previously, the way we were doing this, we had an application window. 
But now you can apply all year round uh, once we get to March, which was uh, gen- which was always the date that it opened up for the application period, March 1. And we have windows now uh, as you apply. It's kind of like a prorated uh, award you get through the year, right? So if you're halfway through the school year, you're going to get half of it, uh, so on and so forth. So if you apply March 1st to June 15th, you're going to get 100% of the HOPE scholarship award amount. If it's between June 16th and September 15th, you get 75%. If it's September 16th, November 30th, you will get 50%. And if it's December 1st, February 28th, you will get, <clears throat> pardon me, 25% of the annual award of scholarship. If it's after February 28th, so if you're back into March 1st, remember that's where we started, uh, then that's going to apply to the next academic year. And, you know, I can see this applying, you know, obviously we don't want to paint public school systems as the devil. You know, some students just have a hard time uh, in a particular setting and uh, having that flexibility. If your student gets into second semester and says, I, you know, I'm having a really hard time. We need to look into other options as a family. Um, This, this opens that opportunity up. It it does. And, you know, this is not, um, the goal of this, uh, to be clear, is not to be public education or anything like that. Uh, certainly, I support public education, as uh, you know, many people in state government do, the legislature, the governor, and so on and so forth. Um, but this is going to make those students, uh, those dollars, a little bit more competitive as well. Um, so perhaps if you're in a school district, uh, where the educational product, let's say, that they're offering is not something that the population uh, necessarily uh, thinks is performing the way that it should, well, then there's going to be some adjustments to be able to compete for those dollars. Same thing goes for a private school as well. But, you know, being able to have this opportunity, I think, for kids in the state of West Virginia where we've had obviously very low uh, educational outcomes here for a very long time, unfortunately. Uh, I I do think this creates a more competitive space uh, for educational attainment and outcome, which I think is a good thing. Hopefully all ships rise through that. But certainly, look, I I support public school teachers. My mother was a public school teacher. Um, I retired, so I don't – it's nothing – uh, public schools, but we're just trying to provide uh, more opportunities and trying to uh, right-size and come up with a uh, tailor-made approach that gives people more options. And the idea also, and this is always talked about, well, this is just going to be for rich kids. Rich kids are going to use this to go to private school. I got news for you. <clears throat> They're already going to private school. <laughs> so this is not just for the rich kids. Uh, we, we've heard uh, another number that I think really intrigued us when we had Jill Upson on was the, the amount of uh, recipients of the Hope Scholarship. You know, there was a concern that people would take this money and go out of the state. But from what I understand, over 95 percent of the people that have been awarded the scholarship have stayed in private schools in the Mountain State. Is that correct? That is correct. And of course, there's there are places where there are not options give you a great example right here where we live right the eastern panhandle 
let's say you're Catholic and you want to go to a Catholic high school in the Eastern Panhandle. It doesn't exist. There's not one. Um, that does not exist. And your options are going to Maryland. And that's the only thing that we have. We don't have a lot of private schools in the Eastern Panhandle at all. Um, so obviously, these folks are taxpayers in West Virginia, just like everybody else. And because the opportunities don't exist in the state, God willing, someday it does. Um, I'm sure people would prefer to have their kids in the state of West Virginia. It just doesn't exist. Um, you know, you got K through eight there in Martinsburg at St. Joe's, but there is no Catholic high school in West Virginia, um, in the Eastern Panhandle, uh, where they're able to do this. So that's why the law was uh, constructed like that. You have to remember, I mean, a majority of our population does live on the borders, and in some of those bordering counties, there's not the same type of opportunities and options as there are in, say, like a Charleston, West Virginia. So I have two, two more uh, kind of bigger questions for you. Um, and uh, one of them, the fact that... Um, I'm trying to figure out how to. So we have in 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 Berkeley County, Jefferson County, and uh, Morgan County. We we have a certain number of private schools that are available, uh, but obviously, knowing that this this funding exists, there will be more offerings. I'm sure as as folks are encouraged to start a private school. Is there a vetting process? Uh, for where these dollars go, or if it's labeled a private school, can folks just take the Hope Scholarship dollars there? Well, you know, this is educational choice here, and parents are going to have to do some level of research on where they're sending them, <clears throat> uh, where they're sending them to school. But obviously, uh, they do have to be an approved um, educational provider uh, with us for those dollars to be able to go to it. Um, obviously, I use this example because there's generally a lot of them, Catholic schools. Um, you know, those are obviously approved educational providers in the state of West Virginia or otherwise, and they do have to apply with us to be an education service provider. Um, now, the Department of Education is going to be the entity that uh, deal with accreditation or anything like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a money manager, um, not an educational manager. So, um, but yes, I, I would tell people, look, as you get new schools come up and, and things of that nature, I would certainly do your research. Um, you know, this is educational choice, which means it's likely, as you just stated, Marshall, there's going to be additional choices out here in the marketplace and uh, ensure that you're going the right direction. So the, the second big question, and then I'll let Luke um, follow up with anything that he had. I know that when, when Hope Scholarship was first rolled out, there were a number of restrictions as it kind of got uh, eased in uh, to operation. Is there still the the requirement that students have to spend a certain amount of time in a given semester as a public school student before they move into um, using the Hope Scholarship for alternate educational purposes? Yes. Yes, that requirement, the 45-day requirement, still does exist. Um, so if you are currently in private school, you are not eligible for this program. Uh, now, when we get to the 2026-27 school year, as mandated by state law, it will open up to everything. But you can 
Uh, you still have to have 45 days executive instruction in public setting to be eligible for the Hood Scholarship. That is the way the law was written. Our guest this morning, State Treasurer Riley Moore, just anything else you wanted our listeners to know, sir, before we have to let you go? Yeah, you know, I would head over to um, our website, www.treasury.com. Uh, we do have our press releases on there, and it does explain. I know there's a lot of dates and numbers there on the uh, full-year uh, enrollment that we've now instituted here in the State Treasurer's Office for the Hope Scholarship Program. Go to our website, read through those numbers. We have posted it on there under our press releases. And all, as always, if there's any questions, you know, you can go to HopeScholarshipWV.com, uh, call our office. We're happy to walk you through any of these things. We have staff over there that literally answer calls and, and questions on this program all year round since we always get a lot of them. Uh, other than that, I hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Well, uh, we really appreciate you giving us the time this morning, sir. Oh, no, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. All righty, take care. Absolutely. That's uh, State Treasurer Riley Moore with an interesting update on the Hope Scholarship. As we had gotten one earlier in the week from Joel Upson, it was interesting to get in his perspective mm -hmm. uh, as well. You know, uh, Marsha, I, I went to a private school, and they're in a really interesting spot right now uh, with this new Hope Scholarship. They're, they're getting a boom of younger kids, especially in the kindergarten level that they're expecting to come up through the school. Uh, the school I went to, Morgantown Christian Academy, was already kind of bursting at the seams in terms of population, and they're kind of hedging their bets because the money given to them from the Hope Scholarship is actually a little bit more than what they charge for tuition, that they're hoping they can use this new interest in kids going to private school to have that steady flow of revenue to mm -hmm. be able to upgrade facilities. I know there's plans of building a gym, more classrooms, and I think that there's a lot of private schools across the state that are, are looking to do something similar now that you have this option. Because, you know, for a lot of families, uh, private school education can be out of their price range. It was out of ours, except for the fact that my mom taught there. Um, and I think that that gives you the option when it comes to education. I think that, you know, the criticism is folks want to make sure that the students who, for whatever reason, maybe maybe don't have someone advocating for them to to get alternate education, or maybe they just can't. You know, you, if private school, sometimes you have to get yourself there, you, pri private transportation, and they. I think the detractors are saying they just want to make sure that the kids who are in public school are getting a fair shake. Um, and, and an opportunity to succeed as well. Absolutely. One more break to take. We'll wrap up the show for the week coming up in just a moment here on Panhandle Live. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Final segment of Panhandle Live for this week. Luke Wiggs and Marsh Kavalik hanging out with you in studio. One more news thing to get to in our cycle here in just a couple of moments, but we want to set the table for the final day of Metro News Big Chair with Dave Wilson. He's got Brad Howell. Is that what we're branding? So, branding the Big Chair with Dave Wilson. So we got his his rundown, and it starts with last day in the Big Chair. Oh, Here's okay. the list. He he does enjoy calling it. He, he leaned yeah. into it first, so okay. we're going to keep it going. He's got Brad Howell to lead off the show, talking about the NCAA situation with Raekwon Battle and Noah Farrakhan, Jared Halpern as well. Mike Oliverio, Mon County Senator, will join him, as well as Joe Stevens, who's the West Virginia Ski Areas Association Executive Director. Oh, it is the season, as Tis the season. I'm so excited. My, hus my husband came in, he's like, okay, we've got enough skis for everyone, enough boots for everyone. And so, I, you know, that's his, like, that's green light. 
And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, of course, Friday means steam release as well. But, uh, uh, Marsha, some uh, two significant court proceedings happened yesterday in Berkeley County. So uh, shout out to Joe Kinzer, the assistant uh, Berkeley County prosecutor, for answering my call for help because I couldn't make it over to the courthouse because of my tire issue yesterday because I was trying to take care of that. Uh, so one of the updates was a sentencing for a, an one zero tape uh, that you may remember we talked to the prosecuting attorney's office uh, about that case. It was part of a uh, multiple uh, drug indictments uh, that were uncovered. It was a big criminal enterprise uncovered after two kind of seemingly random shootings in the Martinsburg area uh, in 2022. And uh, the, multiple indictments uh, under this uh, get money by any means gang. And so yesterday in Berkeley County uh, Circuit Court, and this was uh, Judge McLaughlin's court, uh, and I'm getting this update from Joe Kinzer, uh, Zito Tape was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the Criminal Enterprise Act violation, two to 10 years in prison for malicious wounding, one to five years in prison for conspiracy to commit malicious wounding, six months for uh, willful disruption of government process, one to five years in prison for causing injury to another inmate. The George, or excuse me, the judge, pardon me, ordered those uh, several of those to run concurrently with one another. Um, so it ends up being, according to Joe, Joe Kinzer, who knew I would need this to be distilled down, uh, being a three to 15 year indeterminate sentence and a 10 year determinate sentence. So approximately it could be 25 years in prison on that. Um, so there was another case, and you can read these stories on panhandlenewsnetwork.com. There was another case of a, a young lady whose body was found. Uh, she had been shot to death. Uh, back in June of this year, the primary suspect, uh, Zeki Paradesa, uh, or Zeki maybe Paradesa, who had been an acquaintance of the um, of the homicide victim, and uh, he was in court yesterday. Uh, he had been charged with first degree murder back in June, uh, but uh, there were some um, proceedings happening in this. So he, it was technically an arraignment. Uh, Kinzer reports that as I'm quoting here, as for uh, Paradesa, the arraignment was continued again because the defense is still waiting on him to get evaluated. To be clear, he's not yet been indicted on that murder charge. The arraignment is for an indictment alleging an assault on another inmate in the Eastern Regional Jail. The arraignment is now scheduled to happen January 11th. So this is an ongoing story. We'll try to keep an eye on that for you. Certainly. And uh, when we get the exact details, more stories to come at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. More stories to come throughout our news cycle. You can catch local newscasts at the top of every hour from 6 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock all the way in the evening as well. To set the table for our broadcast schedule tonight and this weekend as well, uh, we've got Parkersburg South against Musselman tonight at 7.30. I've got the call of that one. Daniel Woods has the call tomorrow. Parkersburg South is staying in town. They're taking on Spring Mills and uh, that game is going to tip off at 4 p.m. Again, that's a broadcasting note. It's changed from 7 o'clock to 4 p.m. You can hear the coverage here on the Panhandle News Network. Well, Marsh Kavalik, I hope you enjoy your weekend. Do you have you any too. big plans? I, the girls are, are, some of them are home, and so we're just trying to do all the Christmassy things we can while we've got them all home. All right, I'm excited <laughs> to hear that. And uh, thank you, of course, for listening, making us a part of your morning all week long. We're going to be posting this episode on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page coming up in just a couple of moments. Dave Wilson in the big chair is coming up next. This has been Panhandle Live. I turned it up high. I strapped it on low. Taped your picture to the mirror, baby. And I struck a pose. Cafeteria.
Yes or no, sir, go on your road, maybe so. What's on the plan B? Cause plan A went all wrong. Lay the phone on the bed and I sang you my first song. In a late night telephone. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.